thank you, Jeff, for bringing it in. All right. So, uh, welcome to Wednesday or Wednesday. Welcome to Sunday night um, prayer service. Um, and you even got the prayer pieces. So praise the Lord. I was looking for those too. I was like, I don't know where they are. So, yeah. <laughs> no thanks. That's good. So, all right. So we were in the book of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter eight. The Chiefs are going to win, so don't worry. I don't know. I was thinking about the cabins. You guys probably don't root for the Chiefs, do you? Okay. Yeah. If you were, you'd be more like up around where you're from. It's like who who would they root for? Yeah, Detroit. Well, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Like you might have to go east to Cleveland or something. So well. Praise the Lord. Well, thanks for coming out tonight. And uh, it's kind of been a neat. It's been a long day. A lot of things going on. A lot of boxes went out today, and uh, I didn't get a report from Steve, but I'm sure it went well. Um, we ended up with 25 boxes, so that's good. We started off with 18, I think, earlier this week. So ended up having 28, you know, dis- distributions, which is good, and so that's a blessing. Um, so we're in the, the Bible in Second Corinthians chapter eight. Second Corinthians chapter eight, which is a good, which is a great passage to be on at Christmas time because we're talking about giving. And Second uh, Corinthians deals with the uh, the church at uh, Corinth, of course, but he's speaking about the church at Macedonia. And last time we got together, we talked about how the church at Macedonia was a giving example, and we should look for giving examples. And uh, it so it just so happens that uh, last week when we opened up on this chapter, I was talking about uh, the need to be encouraged uh, to do to do good. And I was using an athletic, um, you know, analogies, and so uh, we were talking about how important it is to have good examples, uh, not just in the physical world but spiritually and of course in our bible hebrews is like the hall of fame of uh, faith and so that's a great place to see faithfulness and then we looked at uh how paul spoke of the corinthians and and how they looked for uh you know we're to look for giving examples and look for opportunities to witness god's giving grace and uh spent some time talking about uh, how the text is laid out in regard to that and we looked at the evidence of God's giving grace. Um, and we talked about how the wording there, that, you know, I do you wit of the grace of God. And he's basically wanting them to witness and see uh, up close and personal, you know, the grace that God's bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. And the last thing we saw is the uh, look for the priorities of God's giving grace. And so, um, and our need to just give our heart and life to the Lord. And uh, that principle in Matthew 6.21 which is so true, where our treasure is, there's our heart also. So the things that we invest in, um, you know, is where our heart's going to go. You put your investments in the stock market, then your your heart's going to be broke when it crashes. <laughs> so, uh, And uh, you put your investment in the Word of God and the souls of men, uh, that's a wonderful investment because God's going God's to bless that. But also, the more you invest in something, the more your, your heart goes there. And so... Um, you know, you invest in your house and you put all that time and money in it and then a, a wildfire comes by and burns it and it's gone, just like that. 
and man, all your it just it's heart people are heartbroken when those things happen. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be disappointed, but it's just true. Wherever you put your your investment, whether it's your time, your talent, or your treasure, your heart goes there also. So it's a good principle to put our, our investment in the things that are eternal. Uh, Matthew six also says that's where moth and rust doth not corrupt, nor thieves break through and steal. Have you ever been broken into? Yeah, that's a terrible feeling. Uh, I remember one time when we lived in Independence. The only time we broke into, uh, we had a we had a, a break in. Amy was at work, I was at work, and and I happened I had a safe that had money. And uh, back then I, I had two thousand dollars in cash in that safe, and I wasn't smart enough to twist my lock. So the guy just opened it up and took it. And I was like, oh. And then they took my weapon and tossed the house, you know. And they I think they ran out the back door when Amy got there. And so they didn't get the job done, I don't think. Um, but the point is is that you just feel completely violated. And uh, you feel like, man, I've, I've just, uh, you know, you don't feel secure either. And so for, for years, until we moved to Harrisonville, we had a, I had a security company, you know, after that. Because it, we kind of lost our security uh, whenever something like that happens. And so it's really important whenever you um, invest in something, you want to invest in a, in a sure investment, right? Something that won't you won't lose. If you, my grandmother, she was brought up, you know, later, and she was born in the 1921, so she wasn't that old. But like my grandfather was born in 1918, and a lot of people who lived in the Depression era, um, they were like the. I mean, like they take the the tin foil after they're getting done cooking, they fold it up and save it. You know why? Because they remember at a time when you couldn't you could you couldn't trust anything and uh the the money you know the proverbial you hide your your hide your money in a in a uh in a mattress or whatever uh or bury it out in the backyard why because you couldn't trust the banks you know they just there was no security in any of those type of investments and so when you've lived through a time like that Joe Sparks was telling me, because he lived through the Depression as well, uh, that they were low on food. He goes, there was no rabbits. When he says low on food, there wasn't rabbits to shoot. They killed all the rabbits up where he lived because people were hunting for squirrels and rabbits. And uh, he goes, just even the the wildlife was running out back in the Depression. So uh, we don't even know what that's like. And uh, and so a lot of people, whenever you don't have a good investment, right, the the stock market crashes, there's not a a place to, to, to store stuff. You know, you got to have something solid to hang on to, and the only place that you can really trust uh, and invest in that's wise is the kingdom of God. That's the only ROI that you're going to get that you can get count on, because the kingdoms of this world are just not enough. Which is interesting because we talked about last week how the people of uh, Macedonia were poor people. Well, they were definitely not affluent like the Corinthians for sure. So they weren't next door. Uh, by the way, I will tell you, Philippi was no a small city. It wasn't a mean city, meaning it was it was not a they were it wasn't a uh, I should say a. It was a city of means. It was a it was a substantial city, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't as affluent as uh, as the uh, the hub of of uh, of uh, the Greek culture, which is close to where Corinth was at, not too far from Athens in that area of Achaia, uh, whereas Macedonia was a Roman city. So um, so anyway, Macedonia. Uh, Paul points out that they gave beyond themselves. And so uh, we don't only have to look, or we shouldn't only look for giving opportunities, but once we've looked, right, and we've looked into it, and we said, ha, ah, Paul gives them an example, then he wants us to give our uh, give our life uh, for giving, uh, or live to for giving opportunities. So let's look at the text. Uh, we're going to read, starting in verse uh, 1 again, and then we're going to go down through verse 9. 
And we'll go from there. It says uh, in Second Corinthians chapter eight and verse one. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in great trial of affliction, uh, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto their <coughs> unto the riches of their liberality. For uh, which means their graciousness, right? They gave liberally. Uh, for their, to their power, I bear record. Yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but uh, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and diligence in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. Heavenly Father, I just pray, Lord, as we look into this passage, that you open our eyes and, and give us grace to behold wondrous things out of your word. Lord, help us to be givers. It's a Christmas season. And I love the song that we just sang uh, as we just exalt you in the highest. I was just singing that song last night as I was thinking about your incarnation. And Lord, uh, that's all about how you came and you gave. And I just thank you for giving us the gift of eternal life. Thank you for giving us your son. Thank you for giving us time tonight just to meditate in your word, to pray together. I pray a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, so we've seen these living, uh, you know, looking for giving examples. Now we want to live for giving opportunities. And in verse 6, we see that, uh, that God will use others to bring uh, giving opportunities. And that's what he's, he says in verse 6, is that, uh, you know what, we were so impressed by what we saw, insomuch that we desired Titus, that uh, as he had begun, so he would finish uh, in you the same grace also. Now, there's a little bit of backstory going on here because, uh, obviously, uh, there's, there's, this isn't just about taking up a collection on Sunday morning. What this is dealing with is the, the need to bring relief to the saints that are hurting in Jerusalem. And everybody's made commitments. It's sort of like uh, faith promise giving, right? And so uh, the church has said, we're going to give so much. We're going to give so much. And and uh, and so someone, somewhere, uh, Paul says there in verse 8, the last verse I read, they'd made a commitment because he says, uh, you know, uh, I speak not by commandment, by, but by occasion of the, the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. So there's there's been a commitment made. And uh, and uh, others are already giving toward it, and so he's using this occasion to, you know, say, "Hey guys, are you ready to give? You know, because you already said you were going to give, so we're just waiting." Um, so Titus was on his way to present the Corinthians with an opportunity to give in the same fashion as the Macedonians, and the opportunity to give will be upon those who are willing vessels, and that's very clear here in the text. Uh, he's not asking people to give who don't want to give. It's not of constraint, right? Uh, but willingly, of a ready mind. Next chapter talks about that, and he'll, he'll get into that. Um, <clears throat> um, I believe that's verse. Uh, where is that over there? Yeah, verse 5 of chapter 9. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would... Uh, no, that's not it. What's the verse I'm looking for? Um, Which verse is that? Uh, not grudgingly, but God loves the truth. Verse 7. Yes, yeah, verse 7, 9, 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 
So God loves cheerful giving. And Paul's he's leading them to that. And that's what he's saying is that, you know what, I don't want people to give out of constraint. I want them to give willingly. And so the opportunity to give will be upon those who are, are willing vessels. Uh, Titus was ready to see the grace uh, of giving financially to be manifest. So he was sent as an ambassador of sorts and uh, to say, hey, I, I, we want to see you guys be able to give like the, uh, the Philippians and the Macedonians were giving. I should say, to be more precise. And then uh, the practical opportunities present themselves here. Like at Heartland, we have those types of opportunities every week uh, to help uh, in, in different areas. Not because Heartland's like trying to suck money in for the, the big church machine, but for others, like uh, the opportunities that we have for... And this church, by the way, I just want to say, is like the church of Macedonia and they're giving. So I'm not saying that we're, we're definitely more like Macedonia, I'd say, than Corinth. Uh, uh, praise the Lord. But uh, we have a list of approved and supported missionaries that we support. Um, and approved missionaries are missionaries that we... That we uh, would love to support uh, from our, our budget. Our church tithes eleven, or a little over tithe. We really about thirteen percent of our budget set apart to give away to missionaries and missions endeavors. Eleven percent, eleven solid, eleven percent solid goes out of the pocket to mission, not to missionary stuff, but to missionaries and to the different missions that uh, are going on around the world. And so. That would be men, and uh, and you know like uh, Jeff Barker. We've supported him the longest, uh, I think, of all the missionaries currently that's on our list of supported missionaries. Um, and then there's like uh, there's there's guys that we would like to take on. There's guy there's nationals too that we support, like Pradeep Lima and uh, Pastor Rajan uh, in Nepal. Um, and then there's guys we want to take on, um, like Doug Howie. He gets some support, and uh, someday, uh, you know, maybe we'll take him on as, an, as a supported missionary. But in the meantime, um, people give a, another one that gets a lot. Uh, a Heartland uh, people support is Brian Clark, so and Doug Pearson. And so Doug Pearson is a great example of, uh, for many years, we were his primary support. For many years, Heartland was his only support when he was first starting in the ministry in India. And then now he's picked up more support since he's married Bethany. I don't know what that has to do with it. But uh, but uh, so my point is, is that these folks that we, we invest in what they're doing, at uh, if uh, we don't do a little, we do a lot. I mean, in, in terms of supporting missionaries, a lot of churches do like twenty-five bucks. They'll have fifty missionaries and uh, and do twenty-five bucks each, whatever that is. What is that? Uh, so something. Well, yeah, it's a twelve hundred and fifty dollars. Well, at any rate, we do we do uh, about four hundred dollars per month per missionary. Uh, for approved missionaries and then i think it went down didn't it jeff to 300 and something because we had to retract because of our own budget and everything Uh, but we're getting everybody back where we were so everything's getting back where we used to be and so our philosophy is instead of just shotgunning it and just sending out money to everybody a little bit we'd like to have deeper relationships with people like a doug pearson who's a super investment uh doug's a fruitful guy and it's a substantial investment. So we don't just invest in them financially, but ideally, uh, if the Lord opens the doors physically, like we could take a trip right now to visit him in the field and see what's going on there. Uh, and then, of course, prayerfully. Now we have several prayer teams. Some of our prayer teams are for people who aren't even uh, counted as what's called supported missionaries. Uh, that's why I mentioned like Doug, Doug Howie. So Doug Howie's got a prayer team. Uh, uh, Cody Walker has a prayer team in Argentina. 
Um, uh, Lee Carter has a prayer team in Dominican. Lee Carter would be a great investment, by the way. Uh, and so what we look at is uh, as people here in the church, we look, we can see by their heart where their treasure is. There's their heart also. So we can run a report and see. Uh, obviously, Heartland supports, uh, like Brian Clark is another one we've supported for years uh, from our budget. And also so do other people. So over and above what we give him, other people help him, which is good because it's expensive to live in London. Um, and that we're not his only supporting church. But people like Brian Clark get support. And then there's others like Lee Carter, for instance, where as people support them or Doug Howie or some of these others that are what we call approved, we would love to support them, but we haven't yet allotted money from our budget. We look at the, as our budget grows, we look at those that are um, um, you know, being uh, approved by the church, the church bodies behind them, the church bodies giving to them. Um, they have prayer teams, they have prayer support money coming in, uh, and then we take those on as a church. So really, our church is somewhat advised by the body and of who comes on to to that. And so uh, those are just every week giving opportunities. So somebody can give uh, substantially to something that's a real battle going on around the world and, and advancing the gospel just through missions giving. Uh, but there's also other opportunities. You know, giving opportunities, uh, they grow us. And verse 7, that's what Paul's talking about. He says, Therefore, as, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So Paul is is, is really kind of telling them, you guys, uh, man, you're growing in love. And uh, you're growing in your faith. You're growing in your... in uh, in." Uh, utterance you know and how you speak and your knowledge and your diligence and but i need you i want you guys to grow in your giving as well and so paul's encouraging growth in giving and so we should give in proportion to our spiritual capacity not outside of that in second peter chapter one if you look over there look over at second peter one um we don't have powerpoint tonight so second peter we didn't have i didn't have it this morning for those verses either so i was probably flying through all those for you uh, over in second peter chapter one peter says here in verse two he says grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of god and of jesus our lord according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, uh, whereby are given unto us exceeding and great uh, promises uh, or, and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we want to grow in God's knowledge. And the more we grow, the more we give. And the more we give, the more we grow in the knowledge of God. It's amazing. It's kind of like a big cycle. And so uh, this passage tells us that our spiritual development concludes in verse 7 with charity. right? And under godliness, we have brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. And so charity is, is really, a, a, you know, that's the... That's a, that, that's the outworking of love, and so it's intangible. So notice that Paul says that as we grow in faith and knowledge and diligence and love, 
uh, that should grow our capacity to give financially. And that's really what Paul's talking about as well. He's saying as you get as you abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and then the last thing he mentions in verse seven of chapter eight of Second Corinthians is uh, you also you need to abound in love. Uh, and, and as you grow in love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. So he's like, hey, we appreciate your love to us, but could you love others? Could you love the, the church back at Jerusalem? Could you contribute to this offering? Because you're loving us, but we now we're asking you to love others also. And so uh, he's wanting them to grow in their in really their vision for giving. And so giving opportunities reflect the sincerity of our love. And so oftentimes that is how it works, isn't it? Don't you want to, when you give to stuff, you want to give, a lot of times people, we've even had, we've even had a little bit of immaturity at times. People are like, why are we giving to everybody else around the world? One time someone challenged me on that. You know, why are we giving to everybody else? We're not giving to our folks right here at the church. And I'm like, so I get out the numbers. I'm like, well, actually we consume about, you know, 80 some percent of what comes in <laughs> stays right here in Cass County in the United States. So uh, we're not like breaking ourselves uh, trying to get we're not like giving up 75, 80 percent of our budget to the rest of the world. Um, you know, uh, I don't think I don't think American churches for the most part. There's probably a few that live like that. Who was that gentleman that that, that had that orphanage? He kind of he lived on he tied he lived on a tithe and gave 90 percent to ministry. Um, R.G. Letourneau? Uh, no, what, there's a gentleman in, in England, um, George Mueller. Yeah, yeah. And boy, the stories that guy had. I've heard some stories where he literally was praying for food, like at dinner time, not knowing where it was going to come from. And then someone knocks at the door, and then dude, there's the food. I mean, this crazy stuff the guy was doing. That guy's a man of faith. He grew in his love and his charity, and he, he was a giver. And uh, and he was quite a giver, from what I understand. And God blessed him big time. So um, I'm not saying you can't. You don't. You don't have to be Mueller, right? You don't have to get that crazy. But but God does want us to grow in our giving capacity, and that's really the point here. And uh, and so uh, giving opportunities reflect the sincerity of our love, and that's really what he's saying in verse eight. He says, "I speak by commandment, uh, not by commandment." I'm sorry. I speak not by commandment, right? If you're doing this because I'm making you, then you're not. Not doing it for the right reason he says but by occasion of the forwardness of others because of what we've looked at in macedonia because they're so forward in their giving i want to i want to use this occasion to encourage you to give like they are um and to and to prove the sincerity of your love because you say you love the saints at jerusalem well let's see how that works you know so giving graciously proves where our faith lies now i want you to look back at first kings chapter 17 First Kings 17 in the Old Testament. This is a lot of text, so we're going to have to look back there. And uh, this will get. This is just about wrap us up in this uh, in this point here. Second uh, Kings chapter uh, 17, or First Kings. I'm sorry, First Kings 17. And uh, <clears throat> dealing with Elijah here. Uh, this is a tough time for Elijah. He's prophesied against Ahab, and uh, and so uh, he's fed here by the ravens, and uh, and so I'm going to pick it up in First Kings uh, 17. Look down around verse nine. For, we'll start in verse eight, the paragraph mark. The Bible says here, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, 
And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering uh, sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Uh, And as he was going uh, to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And he said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I uh, uh, I have not a cake but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go and dress it for my son and that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first and bring it unto me and, and after and make for thee and thy son. Which is an amazing statement. Uh, and then he goes on to say in verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she uh, and he and her house did eat many days. And so they ate many days. And so what we're seeing here is, is that uh, God shows us that God doesn't need us we need him, uh, and it says in verse. Uh, I should go on to say in verse uh, in verse uh, sixteen. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Now, of course, this has a tribulation context and all that, so I don't want to take it out of context. And it's and it's an Old Testament passage, but there's a picture here of faith. Obviously, I mean, this woman is is very desperate. It's a desperate situation. Um, and so what does giving show us? Well, God doesn't need us, but he still wants us to give. And when we invest in God's priorities, uh, the, the message here is that he sustains us. They were in an unsustainable situation. Uh, there was no real, um, uh, there was no means. And this lady's going to take some sticks. She's going to dress it up. I guess going to put it in the deep fryer and fry them up and crunch on it. And there you go. Uh, we're going to die now because we had no other, we had nothing else. And the man of God says, uh, they just got a little bit of meal, you know, and uh, that's it. And then we're going to eat this and die. And there are people in those desperate situations, uh, places in Africa and India, different locations around the world, Asia maybe, where they just don't have anything to eat. Uh, I I was watching a story on... uh, uh, Oh, I forget his name. Hugo, not Hugo Chavez. He's the he's the dictator down there that died in in Venezuela. But the boxer, anyway, out of uh, Panama. And uh, when he was a little boy, his stomach was was uh, so he was so hungry. Uh, he was. I just listened to the stories of this poor. He was a street urchin. He was being raised by his mom. His mom. His dad fled to the United States and left him with his his brother and his mom down in Panama. And these little boys had no food. Uh, they had nothing to eat. He was just a, just running through the streets like a beggar, a thief, and um, and he became a great boxer, by the way. And he's still he's still uh, uh, who am I think? What is his name? Jamie, you know who I'm talking about. He used to fight. Uh, um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a great great boxer, but his name's escaping me. But that story is just terrible. It was. Not Pacquiao, but you'll get it. When you get it, just throw it out. Keep keep mulling on that. That's your assignment for tonight. Something really carnal like that. But this, the 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 story. <laughs> sorry, Jamie. I didn't mean to take. You're helping my infirmity. Um, 
you can tell I was real prepared for this little sub point in my point. But uh, the uh, the point is, is that 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 guy that that boxer who's now a very successful boxer, uh, he ended up having a great career. Um, fought Sugar Ray Leonard. That's how we're going way back. So we're going back when I was a, a kid. Uh, yeah, back in the day, he was the arch enemy of Sugar Ray. So he's going way back. Um, and uh, he's an old man now down in Panama. But uh, but he was such a his his story coming up. He was so so hungry, and you know that translates into what made him a great boxer. Uh, but he had nothing. He had nothing but faith. And uh, it's a shame when you got to put, put faith in yourself. But of course, ultimately, uh, he got all the riches of this world. And you know what? Uh, he still he, the really his life really ended up not being very good. Because unless you have faith in Christ, you're not really satisfied. Your soul's not satisfied. And so it's not about having your stomach full. It's not even having about. It's not even about money. It's about having enough faith. And when we put things in priority, and that's really what Paul's trying to do with these giving examples, is he's trying to help the Corinthians see that guys, you need to make an adjustment. You need to pivot and make sure that you love God enough to love others outside of of yourselves. And so we, it's good that you support others like the Macedonians. Look at their faith. I mean, they're giving beyond their ability to help the saints in Jerusalem. And God's going to bless that. I don't know how they're even doing it. It's miraculous, you know. And so praise the Lord. So when we invest in God's priorities, he sustains us. And that's what we see in Zarephath when um, uh, when uh, Elijah shows up. This lady is in a desperate situation. And you know what God's really doing is he's, he's helping her out. It doesn't sound like it because it sounds like like Elijah's kind of cold. He's like, "Hey, great. Well, when you guys, why don't, before you go die, give me a cake. <laughs> Let me eat the rest of what you got, and then you can go die. No problem." And that's pretty much when you read it what it sounds like. But you see what God's doing when this lady puts because of her obedience, because she put God, God's man first, and obeys. God sustains her. The last verse that we read there in verse sixteen uh, continues to sustain. I think if you've been saved very long, we could probably all. I could give you stories not very long ago, like within the last several weeks and months, where God has has God does do miraculous things to sustain us, and uh, financially and other ways. I mean, God brings. You could just look at our church. We've had times here where we're, I mean, we have desperate needs in the children's ministry. There's just a couple years ago, uh, we had we had uh, uh, you know James Horton had never led praise in his life. And he's leading praise. And how, how many of you were here for that? A few of us were here. Was that not difficult? I mean, we're like we're like praying for James every week that he can get through it. You know, his hand doesn't work the, properly to, to hit the fretboard. So the guy can't play all the chords. And now you look up on Sunday, there's like 15 people. We're like, I was telling them that you guys are going to have to start rotating your guitar players around here because we got so many. I was talking with Stovall. And because uh, Stovall's not needed, so to speak, but he's, uh, he's incredible. So, um, you know, that's a great problem to have. But God sustained us and he got us through. And you just got to go by faith. And uh, God will provide in due time. And so don't give up. So HBF has made a point uh, to tie the minimum of our giving back to missions yet that's just the beginning point you know we can we can all go over and and prove the sincerity of our love one of the things that we can do is uh, obviously we can give to to missions uh, say well i give my tithe to church and and then 10 percent of my 10 percent goes to missions that's a great thing you know 11 percent, whatever 13 percent goes to missions that's great but you know what we could also do we could say you know what i'm going to give extra of my income and give to a missionary, or I'm going to give to Word First Bible Publishing, or I'm going to give to something, and I'm going to help the ministry advance in that way. I'm not now. That is not a constraint at all. 
You don't have to do that. I'm saying you can do that. And I'm telling you, when you put God's work first, he'll, he'll bless you, right? Now, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme like the word faith people, right? So if you give here, then God's going to... That's not what I'm talking about either. They, that gets twisted a lot. But the point is, in general, putting... One of the things I, I learned to do, praise the Lord, when I was a young young man, my discipler sat down with me, took me through Lesson 10 of Discipleship 1 on giving. And now, uh, he's he's a very... He's got a man of means. Let me just put it that way. Uh, just visited, by the way, you can pray for Earl. He's got can, He's got cancer. And uh, he's on, he's doing chemo right now. But when Earl was uh, discipling me back in the day, and when I was in high school, um, he shared part of his testimony of coming to Christ was the fact that he did not have his priorities right. His priorities were upside down and backwards. And it wasn't because he didn't have means; he did have he did have resources. Um, but you know what he told me is that God just took his resources away. Uh, so he was managing Dart Truck Engineering Department. God took that away. And the last thing he wanted to do was to, he took a job at Fort Osage, uh, they call it back then, it's, now it's career and technology, but back then it was Botech. And he took a job out of desperation because he just, he couldn't, it all dried up. He couldn't find any more jobs. His marriage was on the rocks. Um, he had two kids. Him and his wife were ready to get divorced. Uh, and then he, and then a guy named Don Lane, a guy who worked for him, a guy who used to be in his class, Don Lane invited him to church. And so he came to this Bible study, and uh, he was just super cynical, super skeptical, but he got so desperate. Because, you know what? Having the riches of this world, being in the Corvette Club, and having me, and having property, and building houses, all the stuff that he was into at the time, uh, wasn't wasn't getting it done. His marriage was a wreck. He wasn't happy. He was having a hard time now making ends meet because his job opportunities were drying up. He's got to take this crappy, or sorry, this cruddy job over at the at the uh, vocational school, and uh, and so finally he's just like, I got to do something. My life's falling apart, and so he gets saved. He goes and gets saved. You know what he does? He takes his wife. It's a true story. Takes his wife, uh, and he he brings her to the pastor, convinced. That she's going to reject the preaching, reject the pastor, reject him, and the divorce will be settled. He'll be done with her, and he can just start fresh. Because I'm done with all of this. I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'll leave her behind. I'm going to go ahead. That was his attitude. Of course, you know what happened, right? So he brings his wife. She gets saved, right? (laughs) And they're married to this day, praise the Lord. So, uh, So God reconciled their marriage, and uh, he never did ever leave that job at the vocational school and he ended up staying there till he retired yeah and so and i'm the fruit of that i mean i'm one of the fruits of that because if he wouldn't have stayed there i wouldn't have gotten saved that's how i got saved don and eileen lane yeah that's that's the rest of the story (laughs) it's like paul harvey so uh so uh so yeah yeah, Don, Don Lane is. My, that's why I always told him. I'm like, even though you're younger than Earl, you're kind of like my grandfather in the Lord. So uh, Don and Eileen were. Yeah, they predate Earl and Sherry, and uh, and Don's faithfulness. So, and uh, Don's always had a good testimony, even when he was a young college. He was, a, you know, he was like 20s back back in the day when this was all going on. Then, and the, and I mention all that because this was the testimony of of the man who led me to Christ. And then God did, in spite of all that, God continued to bless him. But he is a giver. He still gives uh, well. And uh, one of the things he instilled in me, he always said, Brian, if you don't give to the Lord, 
God's going to take it anyway. And he didn't mean giving lavishly. He's not talking about Macedonian giving. <laughs> He's talking about just obediently giving. If you don't give to the Lord out of, in obedience and honor to him, he'll just take it anyway. So I learned, and this is what Earl would tell me, I've learned just to give. And so you know what? Before I had debt, before I acquired you know all the things of life and all the problems and all the excuses not to be obedient, um, I just started giving obediently because of his testimony. And uh, you know what? I was looking for a giving example, and God gave me one in Earl. And because of his example, I started living properly in regard to financial giving. And uh, and so that's been an area, praise the Lord, in my life I've never had to struggle in. It doesn't like occur to me not to give back to the Lord. But I've had friends that, uh, i got another friend, Mike Sidebottom, and uh, he was in a situation like this lady in, in 1 Kings and uh, in chapter 17. He was telling me, uh, he was raised in a missionary house. He was raised with people of faith in Ethiopia. So he knows what faith looks like. His dad would go out on expeditions to preach the gospel. And his mom would go out in the backyard and pray for hours in the backyard while her husband was out doing ministry. And this was a godly couple. And, and Mike Sidebottom, Jeannie, they're a great godly family. He was telling me of a time one time, same type of story like George Mueller, where he, God was testing his faith. Not, not We're not talking about giving over and above. We're talking about giving obediently. And uh, he said that he was, this was in Warrensburg at the time, and he went to church, and I think they were probably just out of college or something, and married, young married couple. He says, I did not have the money. It was my grocery money. Of course, you remember, some of us remember the days before, you know, you had credit cards and, uh, and you know, all of that stuff. I mean, what you had is what you had. What you got, you took, got your check, cashed it at the grocery store, and that's the money you had, right? So he says, this was my money. I had my money for groceries. And I had the tithe. And he goes, I was just sitting there, and I was actually going to keep it for groceries. And I got to understand, i got to buy groceries. And he goes, the guy gets up and starts preaching, and he goes, as, as the service service goes, he gets all, he goes, I get so convicted, and he goes, the plate came by, and he's like, I just, he goes, I just gave it all. And uh, he says, literally, he goes, I walk out in the parking lot, and someone walks up with a bag of groceries. So God's put you on our heart. And they gave him all the groceries they needed that day. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Now that again is a, that was another person who in my own personal life was a, was a big example to me of someone who was, who was faithful and was a giver. He actually helped start, um, start, we started a, a prayer team for a guy named Mike Blake. And, uh, and so I followed his example and we got together and we wanted to help somebody. What a great example of somebody to have in your life. Cause you need to look for giving, you need to look for giving examples. Before, so that you can begin yourself to live it out. And there's going to be, especially in our church, there's all kinds of giving examples. There are people all over this place. And you'll know it because it's not just what they do. A lot of times you won't know about, I don't even know. I'm the pastor. I don't know who gives what. You know, we don't check that. So I don't know who gives you know, financially to the church. I can tell, though, a lot of people do. And I can tell there's a lot of people giving over and above to missions. And uh, I can tell this is a giving church. So there's giving examples within our local church. And uh, you get around people like that, and God was going to encourage you and inspire you to be obedient. And then at times, he's going to give you grace, like the Church of Macedonia, where you give to other people not just a little bit, not just an offering, uh, or not just a tithe, maybe not even just an offering, but even sacrificially, like the Macedonians. And you don't do that because you have to. You do that because you're just wanting to. 
Like this great love of our heart wants to give to see what God's going to do. Just to, Not because we think we're going to get something. Not because we think God's going to give us groceries in the parking lot. But we just know God's going to sustain us. He's going to take care of us and give us what we need if we help God go forward with the mission and give other people what they need. And, uh, and so it's not about, you know... Uh, word faith and you know uh, name and claim it and and you give ten dollars here and god's going to bless you with interest you know and all that kind of stuff that goes on no but he will take care of your need if you put him first it's about prioritizing uh, giving to the lord and so uh, those are just some practical examples in my life of giving examples and then a life of giving uh and so it's been it's awesome to see that so the next point is giving opportunities reflect the grace of our lord and you see that in verse nine uh, back in our text uh, God will sustain us for sure. And he was sustaining those Macedonians. Let me get back there. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You know, I got these little things in my Bible, so if I just pulled one, it would get me there. I don't know why I'm flipping around so much, but anyway, that's how it works. So uh, so he says in verse 9, For you know the grace of our, our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, through his poverty, might be rich. Now this is kind of like the mic drop, right, when you get to this part of the passage. So uh, what are you going to say to that? So when, when was the last time that, you know, when was the last time I gave from, uh, from you know, my want and, uh, and not from an abundance, right? Like uh, in a place where I, I needed, not, not just something I needed, I, I think I, risked, I just didn't say that properly, but the last time that I gave something that was sacrificial, right, that's really what I'm talking about. Um, many times we seek a blessing from God before considering blessing Him. And that's really what, what Paul is trying to help the Corinthians not do, is seek blessings from God without blessing Him. Let's bless God. Let's be a blessing to God. There are passages that say, bless God. So do we play, pray, you know, God bless me, or bless God? And the difference really does reveal our heart attitude. You know, there's a lot of praying, oh, God bless me. You know, touch your heart, help me, help me, help me. Okay, but how often do we say, hey, God, how can I help you? How can I be used of you how can i how can i be a, how can i be a tool in your toolbox how can i be a blessing bless god let the god of heaven be blessed it's a complete different way of thinking uh many many come to god asking for a blessing and god is more than generous um but we rarely are as generous as god so don't miss the blessing if you want if you won't bless god he'll use someone else who will you know, and the largest uh, one-time donation our church uh, ever had um, prior to this building project, actually the largest gift we ever had did come from a member for this building many years ago. Prior to that, though, the largest one-time, we had two huge offerings, each $20,000 each, uh, to this church in the past by people who were not even members of our church. God, people just, God put us on their heart and said, hey, we want to bless you. Uh, um one time was to buy this property, um, and I can say his name. He doesn't. He doesn't care. John Farr 
He gave he sold the house. First, he gave his house to Harrisonville to me to live in for six months. For, for I didn't have to pay any rent or anything. I just paid my utility bills and fixed it up a little bit. And I lived in that house until I bought my house where I live now. So he donated that to the to me in the church. And then once he uh, you know I turned the t- keys over, he liquidates the house and gives twenty thousand dollars of the equity to Heartland, which is right is on this property we're standing on. Wasn't even a member of our church, just a dude who used to drive our van for the mission when I was over the city and mission ministry. And, uh, and you know what happened to John? I didn't know this until afterward. Not long after that, his business went bust, and he, he almost lost everything. And, uh, and I was like, I didn't know this, and I, I was talking with him. But the good news is, you know what? God sustained him. And now he's he's back on top and doing very well. He's super. He's actually doing very very well. So he did, he's not hurting. Don't feel sorry for John. But God took care of John. John wasn't giving to to get a. Actually, God showed him. You know, you can give a lot, and then uh, I'm you know things can go wrong, and they did. But God has always sustained him, and uh, he's now doing very well again. He gives to uh, Zambia missions. He's a great giver in ministry. Another another person that gave was a, a friend of mine. I'm not going to mention his name, but uh, literally, I was sitting in my office one time. And uh, I was I was um, looking out at the parking lot, and we had just we had just uh, got a loan from the bank to pay our last payment off on this building. So we had zero money in the savings. We had zero money in the checking. <laughs> so we were getting a loan. Now we had great offerings coming in. This is back. We didn't have any staff to speak of back then. It was just myself and Kathy, so we didn't have a lot of administrative overhead. And we and the, the, we opened the church. So this had to be about June or July of about two, 2007, I think it was. And I'm literally sitting in my office, looking out the window, praying to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I hate getting a loan just to pay the bills. You know, um, this is it was the last payment to the, the contractor on the. Uh, on, well, to the bank to, for the the construction loan is what it was. We owed twenty thousand dollars on the balance of the, of this building. Uh, the mortgage was on us, um, but we still had to pay twenty thousand dollars before we had a mortgage payment. And so, um, and so I was like, "Oh, Lord, help!" You know, has anybody ever prayed like that? <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm trusting the Lord, but in my gut, in the pit of my stomach, I'm like, "Lord, this better work." <laughs> Because <laughs> I've led us here, <laughs> so here we are, and I didn't feel good about it. Let me tell you. And I, I kid you not, um, a friend of mine calls me up. That sitting in that same chair, the same office. I don't think it was the same day, but it wasn't. It wasn't a week later. It was, I think it was that same week. And this personal friend of mine, uh, I handed my home team over to when I came down here to, to plant this church. He calls me up and says, "Hey Brian, I've come into a lawsuit." And uh, I have this money, and he goes, I just wanted to give it to your youth ministry. And I'm like laughing. I'm like, well, brother, <laughs> our youth ministry don't need 20 grand right now. How about giving it to our church? Because we really could use it. He says, I don't really care. Just use it for what you want. I said, great. And man, within a week, there's 20 grand, boom. And we paid off that loan within a week. I mean, as soon as we took out that loan, we paid it off. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, I just love God like that. I mean, he's he's able, he will sustain you. Um, it doesn't mean he's going to, you know, and I mean, God's blessed us big time since then. So I'm not, I'm not, I mean, again, 
My point is, is that he will put you in places at times just to test your faith, just to see, you know, are you going to trust me? Are you going to trust me? And uh, it's good to walk by faith like that because you, you'll miss a blessing if you don't uh, walk by faith and allow God to, to uh, you know, entrust him like the lady back in First Kings 17. So don't miss the blessing. Uh, if you won't bless God, somebody else will get the blessing. And so, you know what, that means we should, if God's willing to give to us, we should be able to give to others. And so we receive regular donations from individuals who, who never enter the door of our church. That's also crazy. And uh, it's this Christmas time, and I think about all the gifts that people give to the Lord uh, and to the ministry. And man, we can't take any of that for granted. Uh, so it's a great opportunity to bless God. And, uh, and so when we're blessed, it's our job to bless others also. And so we don't have to, we don't, but we can't do that out of constraint. We got to do it with a ready mind and we got to do it willingly. So we don't, we don't have to give. Uh, We have the opportunity to give. It's a blessing. It's a privilege. And so, um, you know, there's, there's times you hear people say, man, I wish I had invested in Microsoft or I wish I had invested in, uh, you know, Google or I wish I had invested in, you know, Bitcoin or whatever. Um, But you know what? there's a good return on investment when you get in on those things, but there's a better return in eternity. And so, uh, I tell you what, you hear, you get to see uh, people come through this church week in and week out, or year in and year out, I should say, probably. Uh, different people. We've mentioned some tonight. Lee Carter. Uh, you've seen Pradeep Limas. You've seen Pastor Rogins. You've seen some really good investments. And I tell you, uh, and investing in in the work of the Lord and the ministry. Guys, there is so much, uh, and you know, this church is doing it. Even this, the things like the Christmas boxes, the church has provided uh, 25 boxes for people. Just little touches like that. God's going to bless that. Not just helping people eat, but the Spirit of the Lord. People putting gospel tracts in themselves, sharing the gospel. Man, I tell you what, there's, a, there's dividends that you just can't beat. So, um, anyway, I don't preach on giving very often, so uh, I guess I'm going long. So, I'm sorry, for, forgive me for that. So, let's go ahead and we'll wrap that up. Next week, we'll look at, uh, we need to listen to Paul's giving advice. Uh, but that's where we're going to stop for this week. So, uh, let's go ahead. Are there any questions or comments tonight? Ron. Yeah, Ron. So, uh, I've shared this before, but I find this verse very interesting. Psalm 37, 25, 37, 25. I have been young... And now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Amen. Amen. Psalms thirty-seven twenty-five. That's our memory verse for tonight. All right. So. Yes, I was Roberto Duran. Thank you. And Jeff, the fact that you got that is is amazing. He's not even Googling back there. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> now that's even amazing. <laughs> yeah, Roberto Duran's story is that it's pretty amazing how he uh, how he you know was so poor. It's touching, you know, and uh, and how uh, you know he was lacking and God. You know, even though he's probably not a Christian, God provided for the guy. God's good that way, and He uses people to provide for others. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad the guy got rich in America fighting as a boxer. Good for him, and uh, all of that. So, yeah. 
Well, looking so this is the two things that we've talked about in regard to giving. Number one, and I've recapped it. Look on, look for living examples. Like look for giving examples in real life. Think about people in your life that you know that are giving examples. And man, when I think about just that, I have such a personally, I have a wealth of giving examples. I can't even. I start thinking about it, and it's pretty pretty scary, right? Uh, how many giving examples I've got in my life, and then live for giving opportunities. Right, that's a whole other issue. Right, one is to look for giving examples like the Macedonians. The other ones is like Paul saying, now, now that you have those examples, once you try it out, once you take the car for a drive, once you, once you find ways that you can give, and think of things that you want to give to, other than buying the next thing you want. What's the next next hundred dollars that comes in? What where can you apply that outside of your wants and needs, and give it to something that's going to benefit God for all of eternity? And uh, start doing that and just see how God blesses your life. And it may not be, in, you know, I'm not saying he's going to fill your pockets with cash, but you won't be begging for bread, as Ron said. What a great verse that was, Ron. And uh, praise the Lord. All right. Anything else? Good. Roberto Duran and Psalm chapter 37. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, pray. Before we, let me turn off my recorder. Let me pray, and then I'll turn off my recorder. Heavenly Father, thank you for your time and your word. I pray a blessing on the reading of the word of God. I pray, God, that this message finds its way to where it needs to go. And, uh, Lord, I pray that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands, Lord, that it gets into the right hearts. We just thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.